Good morning, everybody. Today, we are continuing with Advent, our anticipation for um, Christ's return and talking about the anticipation for his first coming. So last week, we talked about hope. This week, we're going to talk about peace. We celebrate the expectation of peace that comes through Jesus Messiah. Peace is central to the gospel. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about peace, why Jesus is our Prince of Peace, and the angels announced peace on earth. But first, we are going to start with um, a Bible project video on peace. Are we ready for that, Jonathan? Okay. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end, a time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, My peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven and on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. 
So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Okay. I like that. Peace. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of something better in its place. Um, Shalom is taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness or completeness. No gaps or cracks. Something with lots of pieces that is made complete or restored reconciliation. We're going to talk a lot about reconciliation with peace today. Jesus is our peace, our shalom. He took what was broken and is restoring us to wholeness, making us complete. We're reconciled with Yahweh through Jesus Messiah. He's our savior, our liberator. And so let's just talk about some reconciliation definitions, reconciled definitions. To restore friendly relations between. To make friendly again. To settle by agreement. To make amends. Come to a truce or settle a dispute. To make things compatible or consistent with each other. Make one account consistent with another. And I was thinking of, it kind of caught me, I didn't think about, I was thinking reconciliation between people, but I wasn't really thinking about the, to make things compatible or consistent with one another, making one account consistent with another. And that just got me thinking about um, kind of more of a accounting analogy. I'm not an accountant, so my analogy might break down, but when I balance my checkbook, I make sure that my accounts balance, that my checkbook balances with my um, bank account. Or if you have a business, you have your ledger, and you're making sure that all your accounts, your cash out, your cash in, your everything is balancing, that you don't have um, debt in places that things are balancing. Our ledger is now one with Jesus. My accounts are reconciled. No deficit and no debt to pay. Jesus paid our debt with his body and blood, and now we are one with him. We could never pay our debt and because uh, we were a slave to sin, and we could not reconcile our accounts on our own. So Jesus did that for us. Colossians 1, 19-23 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy faultless and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So we were once alienated from God. We were enemies of his. I think sometimes we don't think about being enemies, especially if you were uh, raised up in the church. You don't really think about, you are like, oh, that's enemy of God. But we were enemies of his before we knew him. And, but we have been reconciled to him. 
Through Jesus' death, through his blood shed on the cross for us, his sacrifice has brought us into the embrace of the Father, fully reconciled. So think about the prodigal son. Uh, you know, the son ran away. Well, he ran away. He insulted the father and took his inheritance and left. And then when everything fell apart, he humbly came back to the father, willing to be a servant. And the father embraced him, took him back as a son, blessed him, and fully reconciled with him. And that's what the Lord does with us. He fully reconciles us. In Christmas movie language, Mr. Marley was not reconciled with his son. He had strife with his son. They were separated. Kevin talked with him and said, why don't you reconcile with your son? Why don't you just call him? And he reconciled with his family. This is what Jesus does to us. You know, God does to us. He reconciles us. And Kevin was kind of reconciled with his family, at least for a time. Until the second movie, but was reconciled with his family. So this is what it looks like. We're reconciling. Christ reconciled us. We have peace, reconciliation through the blood of Jesus. God knows how painful it is to be separated from him. God wants to bring us close to himself again, like in the Garden of Eden. Jesus made peace, restored to wholeness, the relationship between humans and their creator. Jesus is our peace. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This is why it was such good news when the angels announced the arrival of the Messiah. Remember um, in Luke 2, uh, before the angels came to the shepherd, Mary and Joseph, they were traveling to Bethlehem and uh, for the census, and while they were there, it came time for her to uh, have her baby, for Jesus to be born. And in that same time, uh, Luke 2, 8-15 tells us, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, I'm going to look up here for this instead. Sorry. Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the city of David, a savior was born for you. He who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. The angels were announcing that Yahweh was making peace with humanity. He was reconciling them to himself. Jesus was this peace. I think it's awesome that Yahweh sent angels to shepherds in the region of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is called the city of David. This is where King David was from. 
This is where he, David was a shepherd tending his father's flock. Bethlehem is where Samuel anointed David to be king of Israel. He was the youngest and considered the least of his brothers. And God chose David, a shepherd, to rule over his people Israel. And here is Yahweh still showing honor and love to shepherds by announcing the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah, the eternal king of Israel, to the shepherds near Bethlehem first. And the Messiah came as a baby, which was the least of these. And Bethlehem was a small town. It wasn't Jerusalem where the temple was. Yahweh honored Bethlehem. In Matthew 5-2, King Herod asks the Magi from the east where this king of the Jews can be found, and they quote the prophecy from Micah to him. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." The angels didn't announce the arrival of the Prince of Peace to kings or rulers. They didn't announce his arrival to the religious leaders. Yahweh chose to reveal this amazing news to lowly shepherds first. I think that's pretty cool. God is always lifting up those that are treated as less than and giving them honor. Yahweh promised David... That uh, in Second Samuel 17, that your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. And he is starting all of that with the Messiah being born in David's hometown. That's just neat. I'm going to take a drink of water. Okay. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to, six to 7. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of Armies will accomplish this. About 250 years after Yahweh made the covenant with King David, Isaiah prophesied about the coming Messiah. And about 700 years after Isaiah, the Messiah arrived on earth as a baby in Bethlehem. There was a lot of waiting for the Savior to come. And we are familiar with this as we wait for the Messiah to return. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Wholeness and Reconciliation. He gives us shalom with no end, wholeness and reconciliation with no end, forever. Jesus healed everything that's been broken between us and Yahweh. He made a covenant of shalom with his people. He has restored us and made all things right. Jesus' arrival was peace to the world. It was significant that the angels described Jesus' birth as the one that would bring peace on earth. In addition to peace with Yahweh, Jesus gave us peace with one another. Ephesians 2, 11 to 16. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel 
and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles, those of us not Jews, are one body through the cross. Rich and poor, one body. All ethnicities, one body. No divisions in the body of Christ. We are whole and complete. Remember, complex pieces restored to wholeness. Unified. We are his body, a temple for the presence of God, Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Uh, Paul is talking in Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. Therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It's very important for us to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, the bond of oneness, the bond of wholeness. To remember that we are one, that we are reconciled to God and to each other. We are one. We are bonded in peace. Jesus' followers are now called to create peace, to bring reconciliation, wholeness, wherever we go. We need to walk in humility, gentleness, patience, and love in order to keep this bond of peace with one another and be unified in the spirit. This is important. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus who reconciled all things to himself. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. We need to be restorers. We need to make shalom, work together for each other's benefit. Humility, gentleness, patience, and love, and I'm going to add forgiveness. When one of these virtues are missing, the body is wounded, broken, disjointed, and dysfunctional. The peace of the world is dysfunctional. Jesus said in John 14, 27 to 28, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. Jesus gave us peace, and it's not the peace that the world gives. The world's peace is based on circumstances. We have peace even in the times of hardship because our peace is Jesus, and it's not in our circumstances. We are whole, complete, and restored. It seems that uh, there's a hunger for peace in the world right now. I think because of all the tragedies and strife and war and division, that there's a hunger in people for peace. 
Are we a people of peace? And is our message a message of peace? Are we known as a people of peace? I'm not sure that the church in the U.S. is known for peace right now. I think that there's a lot of divisions among churches. I mean, just having lots of um, different denominations, different creeds. Not all the churches in the world (laughs) work together well like the churches, many of the churches in Kalkaska do. And um, so there's a lot of divisions. There's a lot of, just because of different beliefs and a lot of that isn't going away until Jesus comes because there's just different interpretations of things. But um, there's just a lot of divisions. There's a lot of worry about things in the world and the church's place in uh, government and in different things and that can leave the church looking not peaceful. That we're more worried about things than we should be. And that... Uh, our eyes can be fixed on human rulers to fix the problems instead of Jesus. But Jesus is our peace. We need to live a life of humility, gentleness, peace, and love. And Proverbs, I'm going to skip the Proverbs. In Philippians 4, 4 to 7, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The oneness with God. So we can read it. And the oneness with God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Praying and giving thanks reminds us of our oneness with God, of our peace. This knowing of who we are, loved by the Father, the complete body of Christ. It guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Fix your eyes on Christ. Keep this in front of you. Let it soak into you. Our peace is based on God and not on circumstances. I'm so thankful for our Prince of Peace, who came humbly as a baby, who gave his body for us so that we could be reconciled to him, and that we could be reconciled to one another and made complete. One body with Jesus Messiah as our head, unified, walking in humility, gentleness, patience, and love, just as Jesus did. If we all do this, I believe that more people will see the light of Christ and come to him because of the peace we have in this stormy world. Let's keep our lamps burning bright and be vigilant as we wait for our Prince of Peace to return. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are our Prince of Peace. Thank you that you've made us complete and whole, that you've reconciled us to yourself. We thank you that we're one with you. Lord, please give us greater revelation in each one of us of what that means to be one with you, to be reconciled to you. Lord, please help us to walk out our days Remembering 
that we're one with you. And what that means as we interact with others, how we care for and we encourage one another. Lord, we just pray that your light would shine bright in our town, in our country, and around the world. That more and more people would come to know you because your followers are walking in your peace. They're walking in your wholeness and they're creating wholeness wherever they go because their eyes are fixed on you. They're shining so bright that people are just drawn to you. I just thank you for what you're doing around the world and right here. And we love you, Lord. Lord, I just bless the food that we're about to eat today. We just thank you. Bless the hands that prepared it. And Lord, we just pray for just a joyful time of celebration today as we decorate the church and this month as we remember your coming and your future coming. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.